When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to AVFC Extra. I'm James Rushton and uh, here to discuss a big topic on uh, everyone's minds right now. It's Villa's big slump in form. Um, there's a lot of reasons for it and uh, a lot of criticism being done at the moment. Very fairly, Villa are pretty bad right now. So I've been joined by uh, John Townley once again. Uh, we finished discussing Amy Martinez. We finally finished that. We've been on for hours and hours. I'll debate about him. But now we're here to speak about Dean Smith and Aston Villa and whether Dean Smith is a victim of his own success at the club. You are listening to AVFC Extra. A no-nonsense look at the club we all love. Brought to you by the Claret and Blue podcast. You wrote a uh, fantastic article um, about Dean Smith, about, about Aston Villa slumper for avillafan.com, where you know, you're usually writing. It was a re- really good, really good um, question that you brought up, because is Dean Smith a victim of his own success? In the eyes of the mainstream, in the eyes of people who don't really follow Villa, people will be wondering what's the point and I don't want to compare Dean Smith to Steve Bruce but I remember when Steve Bruce got sacked and light years away from that now this is not a comparison but there was a lot of questions from outside going why have Villa done that why are fans complaining why is this why is that uh, it's not to the same extent at all I'm just bringing it up as a, as a general comparison but you brought up a really really interesting point is Dean Smith a victim of his own success and I guess largely through this episode of AVSC Extra We'll be discussing that point, the finer details at that point. So, John, the first thing first, really, is the reason this question is up in the first place, and I don't necessarily agree with the question, the reason it's been brought up um, in the first place, because we're in a big slump. There's plenty of ways that we can kind of articulate what's gone wrong or why there's been a slump. But ultimately, I think a lot of things have just been taken out of context. You know, I think, as you say, the main reason why we're having the conversation is because we're in a slump. But that slump is about what does it last about five games, and then inside that we've beaten Leeds away. So I think we we've, we've had worse as Villa fans, haven't we? So we can kind of accept that we're having a slump right now. But the only reason why we're talking about it is because of the standards that have been set before now. And I think whilst Villa fans probably won't want to admit it, but we've we've hit that forty point mark. And whilst we're not aiming for forty points this season, I think mentally that forty points has always been a bit of a buffer in the Premier League. Something that we haven't really known about for the past ten years, have we? So, because being in the championship and kind of the you know the lower regions of the Premier League, but I think mentally for the players now, knowing that European football probably isn't to be this season, I think naturally that's just going to take its toll on the players because it's you know I think if you look at kind of a microcosm of that, it's like a Ross Barkley, for example, where at the start of the season is playing some great stuff, knowing that if he plays well, he can get into the Euros, and you know obviously him playing well is good for Villa, but then he gets his injury. And, you know, what's happened's happened. He's not in the best run of form himself. But that's possibly because he doesn't see that end target or end goal. And I think that's almost like Villa right now. We've hit a slump. We're missing our best player. We can't get away from that. And now we're looking at what does the season have in store for us now? I think when Grealish returns, which is probably going to be at the week, uh, next weekend, will be, a, you know, a whole, uh, you know, a different outfit altogether. But we can't really escape how well we've done and the reasons behind why we've done well. And we can't kind of now base this upon like, oh, we're going to finish the season, you know, in, in a lull. Um, you know, that's the end of that. Because at the end of the day, we're, we're so far ahead of schedule and, you know, in terms of where the club wants to be in, you know, how many years' time. So I don't think we can get too carried away with ourselves and getting too low with the lows. Because ultimately, as I say, every, every team's going to go through a sticky run of form. Even Manchester City had a sticky run of form this season at the start of the campaign. So, you know, we we I think you know we win a game just like again under, as you mentioned James like under Steve Bruce whenever we needed a result we got a result in the championship, um, so I don't you know we, we need that result just to go for us we need something to fall for us and you know with Jack Grealish returning that's you know all the more likely, but I think we'll we'll end the season we'll finish mid table and we'll look back and think that's a brilliant season you know all things considered we go again next season spend a bit of money in the in the transfer window hopefully, and yeah we'll be right back up there where we weren't uh, at the start of the season. Next season. The realism hits, the average is balanced out, Villa's depth isn't there. We can all see that. There is, there are big reasons why yeah. why this has happened. Um but yeah, I think it's just the fact that 
the players know it's a missed opportunity. Ross Barkley is the biggest one, the England thing. Look, if Jesse Lingard can get on top of it, we said this in our Clarence Blue player ratings, if Jesse Lingard can come back from being a joke, some people people were laughing at him, really unfortunate. People were, you know, making mockeries of him. Moved yeah. to West Ham, reignited his career in the space of, in relative terms, two minutes. He's just flicked on a switch and turned it around, playing for England again, looking fantastic. Ross Barkley, it's still there. But as you say, the go- when the goalposts move and that goal goes, Villa's path to Europe is a bit harder now. They have to turn on a really difficult time of the season. I think if we, we bring up Steve Bruce again, it's uh, that time when he says, you know, when the daffodils come up, it's <laughs> that, that weird thing he says. When the daffodils come up, you know, it's, it's time for business, the business end of the season. And it, it, I don't agree with 99% of what that geezer says, but that is true. It's what matters now is what the results occur now. Villa got a tough stretch of games. They're in a bad run of form. It might not be the, the worst run of form in the Premier League. I think they're 15th, 16th in the form table. But as occur, against what they showed at the start, it's it's not near. And like, again, the players say, Tyron Ming said, could be looking at a bit, bit of a missed opportunity there with the points we've not picked up. I find it really hard to disagree with that. It is, it's both, it's a success story in its own making. Got a missed opportunity as well so far. Do you agree? Yeah, no, no, yeah, totally, James. I think missed opportunity as well because of the circumstances of the season, which is probably, of course, what you're alluding to. You know, no fans in the stadium, everything else that's gone on. You know, we're in a great run of form ourselves at the start of the season. We maybe should have capitalised on that, but you, football changes so quickly. And as soon as Jack Grealish gets injured against Brighton, we know <laughs> how difficult the next couple of games are going to be. And I think with Jack Grealish, we've probably beaten it with all respect to the other teams who probably deserve to beat us um, in the past run of form. You know, your Newcastle, Sheffield United, even your Tottenham's were very poor against us, and we gave them to you know um, goals really in you know in many ways. Yeah. So that's how many points is that? You're looking at seven to, to nine points there if you've got a full strength team. And where does that put us in the league? Probably sixth. So it's the fine margins of why we're not where we are. But I can only look at. We we were in that position, and I think we need to kind of look at that and think that's a very successful season. But it's a missed opportunity, as you say, because yeah, I think this season could have been the one, just because although it's very early, it's last season. You look where look how far we've come. But I think project restart is always kind of like the the kind of the um you know the the thing to look at in terms of where our progression began. And I remember writing something about you know players and the players that we had, you know, your Douglas Louise's Trezeguets, even your Conces and, you know, other players like that, they all kind of, their players in their, in their first season kind of went into their shell a little bit and it took them a little while to get going. Even, you know, your Wesleys, you know, players that come from, you know, different parts of the world, really, different cultures of, you know, football of football as well. So when you've got 40,000 Villa fans, you're packing into the Villa Park for the first time in, you know, three years, that's going to be difficult, and when we all know what Villa Park can be like, when um when things are going great and when things aren't so going aren't going so great, um so I think they're kind of you know their personalities, the way that they like to play football. I remember Dean Smith after we lost to Southampton two 0 at St Mary's when things weren't looking great at all. He said that he's got probably too many um, training ground players, yeah. and by that he means you know they're you know they're fantastic at what they're doing, but to reach that kind of optimum point of functioning, if that makes sense, you know. They need that kind of, they need motivation from within, but they couldn't get that because they had so much pressures from, you know, Premier League pressures and, you know, going home and away and, you know, so many different reasons why they can't reach that optimum kind of playing capacity. But now without fans, this is kind of their perfect time to acclimatise to Premier League football. And, you know, you players like Douglas Lewis, your concerts, your, everyone else that's you know, had a great season so far. Maybe we could have capitalised on that. It hasn't happened or it probably won't happen. But then I do think that we are going to be in a better position anyway, you know, in the next coming years for what's just happened. So whilst it's a missed opportunity, I don't think we're a club where, you know, Southampton's or Crystal Palaces, even your Swansea's from like years before when they try and get in you know, your top sevens. I'd like to think that we've we've now put kind of, you know, a, that, you know, that kind of level of, right, this is now, you know, the line in the sand. This is where we want to be in the coming years and how can we improve rather than it sustaining. We want to improve on this. So. I think, you know, whilst we can look at missed opportunities, it's a positive for me either way. It's all relative, isn't it? I think, again, Villa finishing 8th to 15th, you don't achieve anything. It's just a league position and the money that comes with it. But if you finish 8th, that's a a better target to have obviously achieved because in terms of your league finish, it's the biggest tangible measure you have of of your progress. But in terms of where they were last season, it 
anywhere between there is progress. But I guess if you were to finish in the lower end of that that, that league table from eighth to fifteenth, people would look at it as a disappointment. And there's parts of me agree that agree and disagree. Last season, naive and stupid, I predicted finish to finish twelfth. Massive reality check. Yeah. Didn't look competitive at all. Barely looked like surviving. Some games we looked fantastic, and then there were stretches of just that really bleak. You know, I think we're all used to it with Villa, those really bleak stretches where you, I think the biggest example of that is under Paul Lambert, where you just don't look like scoring. Yeah. And we didn't look like scoring or capable of keeping a clean sheet at some points. We've proved ourselves since then. We've grown. We've grown into an exciting team. And now we've arrived at this slump. So I still think if you were to go back at the start of the season, I may have said 15th or 12th. Whether I'd be really happy with 15th, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be like I'm really happy with it. But it is progress, isn't it? Like it's undeniable progress from where you were four years ago, you know, with uh, Jack Grealish going to Tottenham for pennies, well, relative pennies <laughs> yeah. to where we are now. Um, you know, anything could have happened if we missed out on that player final, but since Dean Smith has come in, there's been undeniable progress. And I think that is the biggest key. That's the biggest kind of thing we need to hold on to is this progress and the process. The process, we say trust the process. It's like how you how you meant to do that when we're not scoring, we're not doing well. Because in the scale of things under Steve Bruce, we were a team, the best, we had probably the best squad in the championship or one of the best squads in the championship. And we were yeah, we did. scrapping to get in the playoffs all the time. Yeah. Or not, not, we should have, if you know, we should have been, automatically promoted we had the ability and talent to get automatically promoted and we didn't and that's not that's not the same thing anymore we're so far removed from that now we have shown we are building we have you probably brought this up actually in your article and we'll come on to the transfers later john but i think it was the quote is in your first season in the premier league dean smith may have said or maybe perslow you have your start your next eye that's fairly capable that isn't brilliant but it's capable in yeah. your second season, you're starting XI, uh, well, 11, I say XI, 11. You're starting 11, is, uh, it's, it's, it's smooth, it's fantastic. At your strongest, you're going to be winning games, proven. We've done that. The third season is when you get your depth, and the fourth season is when you get your depth. We yeah. are seeing that now. That has been, that statement I, has effectively been proven, hasn't it? We can always talk about, you know, trust the process, this and that, and that can be really annoying for football fans. <laughs> Maybe not so much Villa fans because there's never really been a process, it's always been a season-by-season season thing. But there is genuine reason to be optimistic of why this season is a massive progress. Why can't next season then be more progress, progression, progression? Because we know, we know the club have earmarked, you know, that kind of, you know, the five-year plan or whatever it may be, you know, in three years' time, three summer transfer markets, you know, later down the line, hopefully that will be us in the sixth position and looking, you know, upwards. Um, but just say, James, yeah, it, like last season, depth-wise, it was few and far between. There wasn't much to come off the bench. This season, again, Villa fans will argue there isn't too much to come off the bench either. But then, our, as you say, our eleven is capable of finishing seventh this season. We've seen that because if you put again, if you put Jack Grealish in the team in the last five weeks, would probably be in sixth and sixth and seventh place. You know, could be higher. So, yeah, our starting eleven as such is. Very, very competitive. You know, the likes of Edgerick Concert, Tyrone Mings, two, in my opinion, two, should be both international footballers. Emi Martinez, you know, your, your defence is one of the best in the Premier League in terms of clean sheets. Um, so to then be kind of blending that with a higher profile of player, not necessarily something that's going to you know, dislodge the, your starting eleven. it could be. But to have that depth, I think that's the really important thing. You know, the kind of takeaway point that we're trying to, say here is that in the next couple of years we should be able to you know swap and you know give and take with different players on different games to suit different you know um, outcomes you know, and Dean Smith's the perfect man to do that in my opinion as well because you know you, you look at the like the Leeds game for example and I think he drops Douglas Louise which at first I think a lot of the fans were thinking you know okay but what's the uh, what's the rationale behind that but it's to bring in the camber to give extra legs across the pitch you know to bring in Jacob Ramsey for Barkley to give extra legs across the pitch to play a different style of football because we're not going to compete with Leeds if it's, you know, back to front. Instead, we'll sit back and try and nick a goal. And that sounds very Steve Bruce-like. But when it comes off, you know, it, it, that's, it's fantastic. And we're not going to do that every game. The next, you know, next game, we'll try and play more expansive against the Newcastle or Crystal Palace. And it comes off. So whilst we can have different players for, you know, different positions, there needs to be that bit of quality as well. Because ultimately, you don't, get, you don't break into European football without quality. So to know that the owners are kind of, interesting Smith with you know so much money per season and allowing him to spend it alongside you know Johan Langer and you know Persler 
I think it's very, I'm, I'm very comfortable as a Villa fan knowing that we have a good manager, a good tactician, a good man, man motivator, but then also the money to kind of back up what we're spending now. Um, when, you know, that'll only increase too, because ultimately it, football's about quality footballers, isn't it? You need to be spending big money these days. And especially with, the, I think the FFP has been, um, you know, not, not necessarily scrapped, but it's been, you know, uh, edited if, if we will. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing that will probably work in our favour. Obviously, we're not going to be spending 50 million, 60 million every window, but it just allows us that wheel room of, okay, if there's something that we need, we can go after that player and ultimately improve the squad depth of the team, which will be the difference between, you know, your eighth place and your seventh place, your 10th place and sixth place. So I did want to talk about the uh, the squad depth thing because it is key. And I wanted to change your question overall because I wanted to talk to you about the one-man team thing because it is brought up all the time by a lot of people in the fan base, by a lot of people in the media, by ourselves on the podcast, by everyone really. Um, Villa, when Jack Grealish goes, there's a correlation. Villa starts slumping. But what we have to do bring up is this slump began with Grealish in the team. Grealish was playing last season as well when it was a, pretty much an entire season of, of slump. So yeah, I wanted to see, change that question. Is it more like you have a, a one eleven team, you have, you know, you don't have the the depth rather than a, a one man team. Because if we're talking about improvements and progress, the biggest improvement has been the defense. So if it is a a one man team, is that one man Martinez, Mings, Conza, Cash, <laughs> Target, Grealish, yeah. Watkins? That's that's most of the team. Um, yeah. Obviously, I think it's like just because there's correlation does not imply causation. Just because Grealish is out. You know he will, he will obviously come in and do a uh, do a lot better, but you know that that is always going to be on the cards because it, it came up in the championship. Grealish goes out with an injury, a similar probably type of injury to his, what he's got now. Villa slump. There's questions over Dean Smith. Maybe he can't actually take us that far. Maybe he can employ this foundation. Maybe he can build on the team. Maybe he can improve players. Mm-hmm. It comes in again now, and clearly what is on the cards is that he'll come back our form will magically improve players like Ross Barkley will start play, playing better players like Al Ghazi yeah. Traore Watkins McGinn Louise will get better because he's come back it just seems to be and I don't want to dismiss it because we're here to talk about the narrative but it just seems to be one of those things that happens to Villa right yeah exactly I, th- I think it, again, one man. To, I think that's very. It's a cheap argument to make, especially yeah. for people who aren't necessarily watching Villa week in week out. And yeah, we kind of scope Grealish is probably one of the best players in the Premier League. And if it's the Premier League, it's in world football, in my opinion. So whilst our creativity is obviously going to be lost from from not having Grealish, there's plenty to be. As you say, we've literally got the second most clean sheets in the Premier League. That is something that if you told a Villa fan that during Project Restart or before last season, that that's not going to happen. So. And Grealish doesn't necessarily contribute to that defensive side of the game. So we're much more than a one-man team. But you can't really escape the fact that, yeah, Jack Grealish is one of the most creative players in the Premier League. Therefore, if you put him in a team that's going to finish in and around mid-table, he's going to have a massive influence on goals. And for me, it's almost like taking out a player that's going to get you 20 goals a season because Grealish is so important to the way we play and he's worth his weight in goals, not necessarily scoring them. But he's always contributing. He's always the reason why a certain pass will then go, you know, to target and target players across the box to Watkins, for example. He's so important to how we play, obviously. And naturally, he wants to be involved in the game. So when our team is so conditioned to having one of the best players, you know, in the world, in your team, should we be embarrassed to say that, yeah, of course, we're going to have a slump? But equally, we're having a slump for many different reasons. And it would be very unfair on the rest of the team to say, yeah, you, you one-man team or whatever. Yeah, we've got one player that dramatically improves us. But then you have, as I say, we have uh, uh, Taro Mings, Esri Konsa, you know, should be two England internationals. The defence has clearly proven themselves this season. Douglas Luiz, who was at one point, you know, how many Villa fans were, you know, kind of saying, oh, there's no way we're going to sign in Manchester City. We'll be starting him next season. John McGinn scores no head kick last night. You know, it's... It's very, uh, yeah, short term and not necessarily short term, but like short sighted even to um to be suggesting that because of Grealish we've fallen off. You know, I remember like last season, the kind of start of oh Villa don't win without Grealish, but put context on it. I mean, in the Championship, I'm, it's hard to even go by that because Jack Grealish is clearly one of the best players in the league. Um, and then last season, I think we almost beat Liverpool. You know, one nil at Villa Park until there's two late goals without Grealish. So whilst Grealish might be missed. There's different parts of a game that we're still good at just because he's not there. 
So it's very harsh to suggest, you know, no Jack Grealish, no Villa. I think it's a very, um, yeah, very short-sighted argument. It is interesting, the context behind it all, because, look, I think the stat come up on Sky Sports, and we all know it off by heart, Jack Grealish is pure output. All the, if you were to have an average Villa game, 99% of the chances would come through Jack Grealish, whether it's coming off his off his boot or whether he's setting up yeah. the manoeuvre itself. I think the next was probably Ross Barkley or Ollie Watkins. Ollie Watkins is a, a lone striker. We're not going to look for him to make chances in a team about Jack Grealish. But Ross Barkley's massively out of form. If you were to go way back to that championship season now, uh, when Dean Smith took charge and Grealish got injured, in the context of that slump, there was a time when we couldn't even field like a centre-back. We had James Bree playing at centre-back. Tammy yeah. Abraham, pure goal machine in the championship. Massively affected by Jack Grealish going because there was talk, well, it was re- reality, that he was going to switch the loan move to play in the Premier League where, where he belonged with, with yeah. Wolves. Um, so there's always context behind it. And I, you can say one-man team. If, you, if that one-man is Jack Grealish, that's fine. He's one of the world's best chance yeah. players. We shouldn't be embarrassed to say that. <laughs> and, and people say, I'm sick of the one-man thing team. And you're like, why? Oh, because Leeds fans are saying we're one-man team. It's like, who cares? <laughs> like, if that one-man is Jack Grealish... Yeah. You know, a, a player who is he's worth nothing because there's no price that it, not not worth nothing. His value is untold. Yeah, he's invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. Can, invaluable. So there's not a price tag you can put on him. He's worth that much. So if he's a one man yeah. team, and you, <laughs> you, you, precisely. And you hear people say, "Oh, well, why why don't we replace Grealish? Why why are we looking for a backup for Grealish? What constitutes a backup to Jack Grealish? Because <laughs> do we take Paul Gascon out of retirement? I have no idea. I think you know. Again, it's that thing of. There's, the guys are replaceable just because he's a good player doesn't mean that oh it's Villa's fault because we haven't replaced him like someone like Harry Kane how many years have Tottenham gone with without you know Harry Kane you know when when he gets injured and there's no replacement simply because why would a player sign for that club knowing that they're that good and not play it doesn't again it needs context there's simple matter of fact like the, the Crystal Palace as well you know you Wilfred Zaha's and it, it's very much the case of when Zaha doesn't play Palace don't win. But I'd like to think that Villa are a bit more, that we've got something a bit more about us to, you know, kind of, you know, kind of garner that lazy argument of, again, no Jack, no no, uh, no Villa. But yeah, it's, um, it's a shame, really, because there's plenty of players there that deserve so much more respect out of their first Premier League season, too, by the way. You know, you make cash as Ollie Watkins getting his first England goal last night. You know, what a season for him. So it's, yeah, it's, it must be very frustrating for Villa players to kind of hear that, you know, a lot of the time. And probably frustrating for Grealish, too. I just wanted to get onto the question now of Dean Smith then. Uh, we'll be asking the big question at the end, but I just wanted to know if there's any frustrations with him this season. I'm getting some. Um, I think some of the substitutions, I know there's reasons. The substitutions, I think, stick into the same lineup, the same roles, the same performances. And I mean, there is a degree to which, what can you do? You can maybe switch the midfield around to have a, you know another person and maybe play two up top. But these don't seem like magic bullet fixes uh you know we're moving away i think in football you're moving away from this formation as the the, the be all and end all that solves everything if you if you move the yeah. players around but there's no denying the shape looks flat there's no denying that some of the substitutions are frustrating there's no denying that fans get frustrated when it seems like there's things in our head that we can do like in football manager and fifa that aren't happening on the pitch and it, it there is an argument of game management but there is also the argument of what can be done because not one player in the attacking sense is in form. Ross Barkley is on the bench. He's a player who was in Grealish's footsteps not so long ago as the next big thing. Yeah. And he's not in form. He has to, people have to play themselves into form. Not many people in this Villa side are in brilliant form at the moment. So it's like you can put you can bring up McGinn to play in a more natural position as a 10, but if he's out of form, Bar scoring one of the goals for Scotland, if he's out of form and he's getting bullied because no one's putting two or three people on Jack Grealish. Yeah. There isn't much that can be done rather than you, you just go through this process and get through it and move on um, by playing these five out of ten, six out of ten performances until they get better. It's undeniable yeah. that they're massively out of form. Yeah, I, th- I think you... I th- that kind of reminds me, James, I remember watching an interview with... Um, uh, Russell Martin, I think. I think you brought it up in a podcast previously. Oh, about about 20 times, mate. Exactly. But it's it's a really good point because the plan B and the the kind of the urge to suggest that, oh, this needs to happen. This 
But no one knows his players better than Dean Smith. We're on a process. Again, fans will hate that, but we are. We're on a, we're on a process. And we're not just going to look at a results-based outcome when we've hit 40 points in European football isn't up for grabs. If we were in Fulham's position, you know, 30, how many points? 29 points or so, and we need to get results, like we did last season, we'll change it to a fire at the back. We'll do this shape. We'll have, you know, this amount of um, this amount of the ball. When we go to Burnley, we'll set up to mitigate their attack. But instead, I think what we're trying to do is we'll think, uh, you know, we'll play the way that Dean Smith wants to play. And ultimately, we'll, we'll include Jacob Ramsey because he needs that development. We'll use this play. We'll do this and that. But again, ultimately, I think it's the case of, yeah, things can freshen up. But what do you freshen it up with? I think that's the big question because, again, squad depth isn't where we want to be. And once you big players like Greek, you know, the players are missing. Um, and what does Dean Smith do? I think it's again needs it all needs context. It's 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 too easy to say, oh, bring on another striker, put two up top, bring Davis on, and yeah, we can do that, and it probably makes a difference. But again, there's reasons behind Dean Smith's thinking. He's been in the game far too long, and he's been very successful with Villa as well. To suggest that oh, Dean doesn't know what he's doing when we go one goal down, or you know we're relying to we're relying on scoring the first goal, for example. Why can't we celebrate that we usually score the first goal? Why can't we celebrate what we've done well and rather than looking at oh, there's no, you know, there's no this and that, no this and that. So, yeah, I, I completely take the point, but ultimately, I think squad depth is not where we need to be right now to be kind of looking at that argument of oh, we should be winning every game, and if we're not, why isn't that the case? Rather than looking at okay, let's dust ourselves down and kind of, you know, what did we do well in the last game? Let's you know do that again. It's a weird kind of operational thing, isn't it? When Look, if you rightly change a team to be perform in a different way without your best player, what happens when that player comes back? Because then yeah. you have almost like a split identity. And I don't think football teams train these plan Bs or train six different formations for the worst case scenario. I mean, look, they only train one and that is best example. Villa's situation is best exemplified by Liverpool. Key injury right at the start of the season to Van Dijk. Then it got worse. Joe Gomez, others yeah. are out injured. And that destabilises the entire team because with players like Van Dijk, you've got a ball-playing central defender who doesn't just, you know, he doesn't mop up attacks and punt it up the field. He starts the attack. You know, he he is just, him and his defensive partner are the, the bedrock of the team. When one and both go down, what do you have? You've still got the world's best players in your team, but the shape, the 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 identity of the team is lost, and that is yeah. such a similar thing to Villa. You can, yeah, you can put three at the back, you can do this, and you can put two up top. Keenan Davis probably deserves some minutes for once. I think he's played four full nineties since twenty seventeen. Yeah, yeah it's it is, remarkable. It's incredible. That's nothing in terms of game time. But no. what can you? If you go too far without Jack Grealish, what happens when he comes back into a, a different? It's almost like training up a different team without your best player. And look, there is an argument to say. You have to adapt. But there's also an item to say that Villa have done the right thing from the get-go and they did get a bit lucky last season at times to stay up. But now they're so far removed from that, John. They're they're, they're in a better place now. But it, then the other argument, it's like every time you step forward, another argument comes up. Now's the time to pay youth. Now's the time to experiment because we've yeah. got nothing to lose. So where do you kind of sit on that on that timeline? I, I'm I'm very much of the, and I think a lot of fans probably disagree, but I'm very much on the case of we've had the great season. This is a brilliant season. It's progression. I'm, I again, I trust Dean Smith to whatever he wants to do. Do it, Dean, because every time that someone said something against him or questioned him, he's always come out on the other end and we've had success. You know, I was thinking the other day, if you kind of, if you put Villa in one of those like Amazon um, documentaries, like the kind of, you know, the Man Cities and the Tottenham's that have been, they're like, um, they're like the teacups and we're the roller coaster because we've had so much change, so much, yeah. you know, so much has happened in the last sort of, four years or so. And when Dean Smith's been here, again, chops and changes, different directors, different, you know, personnel at the club, a massive overturn of players. But then we've had success. You know, first season, we earmarked promotion um, in about two years' time. And then we did it in about six months. Uh, second season, survival. We obviously um, achieved that, albeit against the odds. But football's got a short memory. You know, we, that, that's, that's completed as such. And then this season, massive progression again. So I am fine with Dean Smith doing what he would like with the team that he's built and the one that he's building as well. And there's plenty of times where he could have thrown players under the bus last season, for example, like Douglas Lewis and this and you know Wesley's and etc. But he didn't, you know, he knows he's such a good man motivator and a man manager that he knows when to 
what to do with his team, when to um, employ certain things, use different tactics. Like, I think Edry Contrary made a bit of a mistake against Newcastle in the project restart period. And he said it in his interview after the game, Dean Smith, and he said, you know, I've kind of taken Edry to one side and kind of given him a bit of a, you know, a bit of um, a, a bit of a, you know, a bit of a shouting almost. And, um, because that's what Conter needed because Dean Smith knew that and look at where Conter is now. So if we're saying, oh, Jacob Ramsey shouldn't be playing or this shouldn't happen, you know, and whatnot, Dean Smith knows exactly what's best for Jacob Ramsey or he knows what's best for Morgan Sanson. So I'm not going to question Dean Smith's choice on personnel. Maybe tactically you can question, should we really be going with a 4-3-3? Because every game we want to uh, win, right? But again, ultimately, I think Dean Smith's proven himself to us all that he's in the best place to know what's going on. He knows his players better than anyone else, and he makes sure of that. So, yeah, I'm I'm in the camp of let Dean, it's Dean Smith's thing. Let him do what he'd like with it. And I think, you know, ultimately more success down the line will come because it's proven of when he has the kind of, um, you know, the ability to treat it like his own, as he has for the last two years. Uh, that's when results come with it. It's it's like we can we we can criticise him though, isn't it? I think yeah. that's where a lot of uh, myself we get our back up because it's like when someone defends and I hate this. It's, I think it's coming since Wenger out. Right? You have to be in, all right? There's you know, <laughs> yeah. there's no there's yeah, no, there's no to, or long term no. plan is there? It's it's you're in and you're out, and if you're out, it's because you saw the the end coming miles before anyone else and if you're in yeah. it's because you're quote unquote deluded or overly optimistic <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like that at all but no, no, no. it is absolutely fair to criticise him after every of match course, yeah. because we have been flat and as Matt said it, I think in our post-match it's predictable it's Dean Smith's predictables isn't it and every mm-hmm. game is the same but they're in a they're in a, a slump that they can't get a, a hold of right now, and uh, ideally after the international break, magically again like Aston Villa, it's fixed and there's a ten game winning run. We all hope, and Jack Grealish comes back to uh, help us uh, chase down seventh place and get into that Conference League. Is it? But uh, <laughs> we don't yeah. know. And I think again, it is, it is absolutely fair to people um, to criticise Dean Smith. I think where I draw the line personally is. And I have a problem with this anyway. If people know me, I have a massive problem with calling for uh, my agents to get sacked, and I don't know why. Um, but Dean Smith out, I feel he's a, it's an unfair position almost. And that's where we come to, is Dean Smith a victim of his own success? Because we have progressed, we have shown his rapid development, we have been on a, a wild ride, and it always seemed like it was going to go up and up and up and up. And long term, it is, that inarguably, but it's the, the short yeah. to mid-term there are games you should be winning and you are not. And there are games you should be losing and you've somehow beat them 7-2, which is just, it's a confusing position for people to be in because you're like, how, how can this, the tactics haven't massively changed. So why is this happening? Yeah. I Again, I kind of, if the project restart melting pot comes to my head again, because there was plenty of times last season when plenty of people were saying, you know, Dean Smith, what's this? What's, you know, Dean Smith out or whatever. Um, and then Dean Swift just takes a step back. I, th- I think it took about 25 games for us to score ahead of last season, which isn't great. But then considering Matt Fowles, Jack Grealish one as well, populated around, you know, the, th- the final third. Then he takes a step back in Project Restart and sees his tactical flaws, where he's going wrong, accepts his responsibility as the Aston Villa manager. And I think five of the seven goals that we scored in Project Restart were from, you know, from set pieces. So clearly he's capable of working on his own deficiencies. And how many times have we seen managers, you know, kind of sit there and think, oh, this isn't my responsibility. This isn't my fault. It's the players. It's the recruitment staff for bringing in this type of player that I didn't want. Dean Swift has never done that. He never shirked responsibility. And to be doing all of that whilst being extremely successful, again, I can't can't kind of say it enough. We throughout all of this period, we've only seen success with Dean Smith on, you know, the kind of grand scheme of things. So absolutely as a victim of his own success. Again, the only reason why we're having this conversation is because we're in a bad run of form. But again in the process, what's this bad run of form? Hopefully, again, we'll come out of the other, come out the other side. Um, but I also think it's a question as well, James, of a lot of people have questioned, is he the man to take us to the next level? Yeah. But I would just say he's kind of, he's proved that critic wrong already. We didn't, we weren't going to get promoted, we got promoted. We weren't going to stay up, we stayed up. And that's not luck. Again, there's plenty of times where you can count on the man manager that's Dean Smith and the good tactician that's Dean Smith to solve problems, to solve problems within the squad, you know, treat players like people. Um, and again, the fruits of that labour have, have always shown for me. So I'm not particularly worried about, you know, what the future holds in terms of Dean Smith's future at all. I think it's very, again, quite naive and quite disrespectful, actually, to suggest that Dean Smith, 
you know, isn't good enough to take us that ne- to take us to that next level, for example, because ultimately he's at the face of why we're doing so well at the moment. So yeah, you know, bad runs of form come and come and go. Hopefully, they'll it'll go um, sooner rather than later. I think the so the biggest thing for me with Dean Smith is I, I know someone when we when we watch. Um, when we've watched the Villa matches, he goes, oh, Dean Smith is um, one of the luckiest people in the world. How has he got that job? And it's like, don't, I don't, if you watched Villa play, Steve Bruce's Villa play Brentford, you could have seen it because you saw a team with all due respect to Brentford. They had the long-term plan and, and Dean Smith and the structure in place for seasons. Yeah. They had half the talent. They had probably a hundredth of the budget. And they were smacking us about week in week. Whenever we played them at yeah. Griffin Park, they smacked. Griff, I forgot yeah. the stadium. Now they got the, the the new one, but they yeah. smacked us. They smacked us about. Um, but we never beat them. Yeah, yeah. They, and they they beat us in some style. I remember Hotter just yeah killing us that one game. Oh. I think that was the first game with Harahan. Uh, yeah, honest, playing, three. yeah, playing all over the yeah. playing all over the pack. But you know, you, he's earned. It's not like Frank Lampard who, if Dean Smith yeah. uh, in that playoff final lost to. Derby County would Chelsea have hired Dean Smith and look from Lampard's there he's had these he did his apprenticeship and he got hired to me that is the conversation you should be having That's, about yeah. unfortunately about luck but yeah. he's earned it he's earned it by beating Villa by doing the job at Warsaw by progressing from head of youth development at Warsaw by changing the culture there avoiding relegation and building not in a good place anymore but he built that that foundation, Brentford, he took him up a level and they, he got succeeded by Thomas Frank. He's done even better than him, but he's moved on, built the culture there, went to the next level. Villa, he's done the same. He's changed the culture. He's built the foundation, took him to the next level. So, look, he is going to move on at some point, whether that's his choice or or Aston Villa's. But people had a lot of conversations about see-through, changing the culture, changing the toxicity at the club. If you're giving him any credit for that, Dean Smith needs to get 20 times the credit for, for the toxicity and being removed out of the club. That's bang on, James. Yeah, I, I remember thinking that myself. I thought, oh, Steve Bruce has steadied the ship. He shouldn't get half as much as stick as what he's got. But then you look at someone like Dean Smith. And again, we were in the depths of the championship when Dean Smith took over. And we know as Villa fans, we had absolutely no right to get promoted and no right to bring in a, you know, who's been banded about, like the uh, Rafa Benitez, for example. We had no right to do that at all. So, <laughs> again, Dean Smith's the guy that's built up, you know, like your Nico, your Narish, your Ryan Woods, your... Your Barbe, you know, at Brentford, Malpai and Watkins and Ben Rama might get their break, but half that Brentford team won't get the break. Yet they were playing some exceptional football and getting results to show for it. So, yeah, to say that Dean Smith isn't deserving of the role is completely unjustified. And again, yes, he was a championship manager and he never had experience in the Premier League. But his experience of the Premier League, again, has only been success. He's succeeded with a team that was completely just thrown together, albeit, you know, good players but when you mix that amount of players it's always going to be very tough he's done that he's obviously having a great season this season he's got us promoted I really can't understand where the the negative aspect of that comes from um, as you say it's completely changing the culture I remember um, reading the uh, Ashley Priest's piece when he kind of articulated really well the, the quotes of Dean Smith went about the, the sausage sandwich story at Warsaw yeah. when a player, an unknown player, walks into the canteen and has a sausage sandwich, and that's not necessarily the standards that are set at a professional football club. But Dean Smith takes him to a, to one side, makes a bit of a mistake, and gives him a bit of a rollicking. But then, from that experience, understands the player behind the footballer. And he's had those experiences all his career, Dean Smith. I think from the age of about 25, he knew that he wanted to be a, a coach. You know, at the age of 17, being told that he'll never stand up in front of a group of people and, you know, give a give a talk. Um, so, it's been knockbacks for Dean Smith all of his career, and to now come out the other end and do it with his boyhood club is something that we need to be championing. And I don't understand the negativity behind it. And I always say as well, like if you, if you were an alien, if you were an alien and you came down to, you know, and came down to Aston, you probably didn't understand Dean's just great bar accent, but you wouldn't tell that he was a Villa fan. He never brings his allegiance into it, which I think is another thing that we forget. You, you wouldn't tell that Dean Swift was a Villa fan because he never gets emotional about it during project restart when we were, we would we were done and dusted, you know, four games to go, seven points to drift, the greatest escape there's ever been with that amount of games left. He never brought his emotion into it of being a Villa fan when we were all there, you know, crying behind the sofa against Man United. He had to face the media. He, you know, blamed himself. He, but then he also got the got his players going again to then stay up. I don't understand how, again, he doesn't bring that emotional control into it. We know the stories about, you know, his father and how he would, you know, clean, clean the steps on the, on the whole end and whatnot. 
but he's he's one of us and he never brings that into it you know when he got appointed you know, it, it was him asking questions to Christian Perslow in the interview about how what Villa can do for Dane Smith rather than just taking the job because he's a Villa fan so there's a reason why he's at the club we can't forget that and the whole philosophy of the club the one club you know from the academy the women's team and the men's team it's all intertwined into one and Dane Smith is heading that and he's doing an exceptional job of it so I'm not again a run of form after saying that where does that five game run of form that we've just had even come into that for me I've it's it's all a matter of nothing. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It's um in in the club, you, there's a plan and it is not outcome based. It's not going to change because you concede a really sloppy and annoying goal to Newcastle. It's not going to change because you lose yeah. to the worst team in the Premier League. It's it's going to change if then it requires drastic action to to put because Villa's still on course. It may have been the course has taken a hit, but they're still on course to achieve ahead of schedule. Yeah, their target. If you were in this 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 time next year, probably a bit before Christmas, and Dean Smith's Villa are twentieth. Jack Grealish's plan has been no key injuries, and they're doing poorly. They're doing Chris well, the Sheffield United poorly. They're not winning games, and they're not looking like there's going to be an escape. Then, hopefully, before then, the conversations already yeah. happened. But yeah. we are nowhere near that position, and we should never Absolutely. be in that position because ideally, I'm staking it on it now that we should be so far removed from that position that we don't even have to worry about being a Sheffield United. Crazy things can happen in football, though. So, again, we yeah. don't know. If we're in Liverpool's position where we've lost Mings, Conza, we don't have a backup. Courtney Hawes has to fight it all on his own. He goes down injured. You lose Grealish, you lose Watkins. Different story because you've been yeah. disabled the entire club. I can't see why we need to be talking about sacking him now, about moving on, about how he took us as far as we can. We heard that against Stoke in the Championship. Is oh, Dean yeah. Smith going to take us any further? We heard it last season. Is Dean Smith going to take us anything further? Every time he does. So I think he has earned that credit in the bank, not to avoid criticism, but to at least avoid the, the discussions about yeah. sacking him to bring in a new manager. That being said, though, there is a conversation about will the owners continue backing him? Will they play more money? It's Wes Edens. With all due respect to Randy Lerner um, and, and Tony Shaw, Wes Edens and uh, Nassif Sawiris are on a different level in terms of finance and operations. You know, Rand, Randy Lerner, I don't think, was massively involved with his MBNA business that he inherited or the Cleveland Browns. Villa was his project. Fell out of love. Tony Shaw, different story entirely. These yeah. guys are at the top of a ruthless business and that's not even talking about football that's talking about fortress investment group where seedens uh where seedens capital company and and, and yeah. the milwaukee books and serious investments himself you know these guys play with the highest capital available and they take risks and they are they are sensible but that doesn't mean they're going to spend a lot of money on Villa and they've earned every right. I think you brought up a quote by uh, John McGinn in your piece. We say Wes Eden's private message, a lot of us after the West Ham. So this is when Villa stayed up on the last day to say congratulations and to tell us that the club wasn't going to stay still and rest there. They'd support us with new players and improve the depth of the squad to kick on. Have kicked on. I see no reason why they would go now. Yeah, we're only going to spend 20 million the next season. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be that case yeah. at all. I, I don't, I, you know, it could be that they have a cheaper window, more recruits just to improve the depth, but I can't see how the conversation where they wouldn't back Villa with millions and millions of pounds would come in because, yeah, they probably need to spend a lot of money just to stay where they are now if, if we're talking yeah, about any schedule. Yeah. So where, what's, your, yeah. what's your take on that? Both owners, you know, money money is an object, but having that, you know, again, that sort of operational sense of how to run a business and run a football club. We know that Nasser Sarouche wants to be a big player in the Premier League <clears throat> and we know what Wes Edens has done for the Milwaukee Bucks. So we're in good hands. And also I would say that these guys, they're shrewd. They know exactly what they're doing. They've had plenty of occasions if they wanted to be ruthless to sack Dean Smith. Let's not, you know, beat around the bush. We had a we had a slump in the championship. We had plenty of slumps last season. And this season we're in a bit of a slump. But they recognise the success of their employees as such. And they're they're gonna give them that freedom to make decisions because they believe in what they are, you know. They believe in Christian Perslow to appoint Dean Smith, for example, and the club's completely run in that way. Um, and in terms of, you just say, the finance, it, the windows might, you know, be different. Again, we could only spend £40 million next summer um, and that would be on a couple of players worth £20 million each. Equally, we could be spending upwards of £100 million again. We, we, we simply don't know. But I think it's the case of whatever we spend, we're not throwing money at something. We're not buying a player because we've seen them on YouTube. It, we're, this is very methodical. You know, it's 
we have a we have a gap in the season now where we know we're going to be in and around mid table. Whereas before, we, when we got promoted to the um, Premier League, it was from the playoffs, and we only had a couple of weeks to actually prepare and build a team. You know, get used to Dean Smith's way of playing. Last season as well was tricky because of coronavirus. This season hopefully will be different. Whereas we have now got a period of time from now until the start of next season where we can look at recruiting players. Can we identify a different kind of player? Um, and we've we've already seen again, you know, the players that we have recruited that they've all stepped up. They've all been excellent players. And I think our net spend in our like, first season like about 13, 14 million per player, which is incredible because what does 13 million pounds get you these days? And last season, it probably wasn't so much higher than that either. So if when we can start to you know, really splash cash on, you know, on a player, um, I have no doubts that whatever price that will be, it will be the correct player for Dean Smith because the owners and, and the CEO have trusted Dean Smith to build a team how he wants and they will buy players for his team, not for the club, but for Dean Smith in the way that he wants to play, because that's what they've, because that's what they've built at Villa. So, what do you make of this kind of conversation? Uh, there's another conversation going on. It's like, why would the world's best footballers, the world's better footballers, want to be a part of the project after seeing the slump? You can see the reasons why people would think that because at the start of the season, you have a team that's competing at the highest foot of the, the Premier League table to a team <laughs> yeah. that is struggling to beat Newcastle and struggling to beat Sheffield United, not you know, not even beating Sheffield United, not even beating Newcastle, but you struggle to get on top of those games and then you've lost and drawn when you could have emerged with, with six points. So you do get the conversation. It's just a bit, you know, I, I guess it's like, why why would a player suddenly change their mind? Why would they not be attracted to the project at Aston Villa? You know, we've had to scrape by with £30 million players. Last season, we were rejected by Ross Barkley and Oliver Giroud. We, we, we had to settle for, for Danny Drinkwater. We couldn't attract Ross Barkley then. We've attracted him now and he's maybe not at that step level. But you, you see the evidence of that. You only have to finish a point above the relegation zone to switch from, and I know Barkley's not in the form of his life or even the, the form, of, form to get in the Villa team at the moment, but you see you are battling against relegation and the only person you can get on loan is Danny Drinkwater and Pepe Reina and, and Samata from, from Belgium. Yeah. Um, then next season you can get Ross Barkley. So there, there is clear signs that you get a better quality of player despite the form yeah. Ross Barkley's in. You know, Last season, you have to settle for one. This season, you get the player you wanted originally. Next season, the progression from 17th to 15th is still big enough. The progression from 17th to 13th is massive. Progression yeah. from 17th to the top 10, mind-blowing. If you yeah. if you finish at the... I think the highest bar now for Villa will be 7th and 8th play and kick on. The progression from that, it will, regardless of some people, I can get on top of it, that is huge. That There is no denying. If the difference between 17th and 15th is from drink water to Barclay, that, that answers it for me, unfortunately. But you can have a, you can have a crack now. No, no, exactly. I think as well, um, kind of having that, as, as you say, bringing in a different sort of player, but also we know as a club that we want to do it sustainably and that when we first got promoted, we couldn't randomly just given uh, Edric Constant, John McGinn, Jack Grealish all here's 90 grand a week, 100 grand a week, whatever it may be. And then we couldn't bring in players that would then command that amount of money a week because that's simply not how a dressing room works. If you're looking across the dressing room and seeing, oh, he's earning twice, three times as much as me, that doesn't work. So now that we've started to, you know, really see, you know, the benefit of having Edry Concert, Tyron Mings at the club and giving them new contracts, putting them on a better, you know, pay bracket as such as, you know, as what good Premier League players deserve or at least earn, um, and now we can, again, your Ross Barkley's, different players like that, they're going to be earning a good amount of money, but also stuff, you know, amount of money that's kind of shared across the table. So then in the coming seasons, we can afford to buy these better players and afford to spend more money on a better calibre of player as such because it's spread across across the club. Everyone's equal in that sense, whereas we couldn't be bringing Ross Barkley in straight away because, again, the dynamic, that doesn't work. And I think Dean Smith, again, being that man sort of motivated, man manager that he is, he wouldn't want that dressing room being disrupted by a couple of players that were new into the club and they're there to earn a wage and then try and get better to play for another club, for example. So the way that we're doing it and the way that I hope we'll do it in the future will be a case of less, you know, buy better for a player, but also make sure that it's done sustainably and that they're a type of player that will give something to the club, not necessarily on the pitch, but, you know, the likes of your Danny Drinkwaters, they come into the club and what are they precisely here to achieve themselves? 
But now we're looking at different kind of like Bertrand Troy's got a points prove in the Premier League. You know, Emmy Martinez had a massive points prove in the Premier League. Um, you know, I could go on Matty Cash, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. These are hungry players that want to achieve, and they're doing it amongst a Villa team that are so like-minded. So, you know, the youngest team in the Premier League, aren't we? So again, whenever we recruit, we're recruiting for a specific type of player. We're not throwing money towards it. Um, but we'll do it correctly. Yeah, well, I think that it's been, I only aimed for a, a half an hour, but I think we've got so, there was so much to speak about and so much to kind we of go on, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, uh, Villa, Villa's form right now creates a lot, a lot of interesting dynamics. But John, to finish off on the hot one, I think it's an easy question for you, but it's a big question. <laughs> Is Dean Smith the right man for the job? Yes. <laughs> Is this in answer? Yes. Um, but yeah, again, I, I completely understand the other arguments of yes, Dean Swift needs to be questioned. And what I would say is I think Dean Swift wants to be questioned. You know, he, he doesn't have Craig Shakespeare, John Terry, Richard O'Kelly. Uh, I've missed one out there, Neil Cutler and and uh, and, and so and so and so forth. Um, he doesn't want them to just stand there and be yes men. He wants to be questioned. He wants to improve himself as well as his team. So I think it's only right that we question him, but question him in a measure that isn't, you know, slating him and being, you know, a bit a bit silly with our remarks of, oh, he shouldn't be here, he doesn't deserve to be here, because it's a bit rude, to be honest. But ultimately, yeah, I think he's definitely the man to lead us in the right direction, because every time someone said no to him, he's got back up on his feet and completely proved them wrong. So why can't he do that again? There's absolutely no reason to suggest why not. And if the club are backing him and the, and the club are built now with, you know, very professional people who know exactly what they're doing, they're not here for any old reason. Um, they're trusting Dean Swift to do it. And if they're trusting them, I think we should trust Dean Swift too and his coaching team and the players that he wants and the players that he's building and the players that he's uh, improving on a daily basis. And there we go. We've got a, uh, a manager. Seems to have proved almost everyone, not least Villa. I think he kind of been Villa's first choice for the job if you saw the Thierry Henry and Brendan Rodgers stuff <laughs> going around at the time. So, you know, proving fans wrong, proving Villa wrong, proving the Championship wrong, proving Derby County wrong, proving the Premier yeah. League wrong, proving everyone wrong so far. So, so you know, the, the track record is there. The progress is there. It's just, I think it is annoying and when I put my fan hat on, now I was told to trust the process, listen to that, accept the loss, don't accept the loss, be annoyed, but be measured, don't be personal and, yeah. and take it the right way. We can all be really upset after what we've seen because we're all <laughs> devoting our time to go and watch this. Yeah. It's, but, also, it's also harder as well when you're watching it from your TV and you're not in the stadium. There's no, You have no escape from it, do you? All you focus on throughout the week is the villa. So when a negative result doesn't go your way, it's kind of natural to lean towards, you know, getting really low with a low, for example. Yeah, it's like, you know, you, you can't leave the stadium early, can you? You, you can't leave <laughs> the stadium early anymore. You can't no. You can't <laughs> chant, you can't boo, you can't show any measure of frustration and sitting there watching the match, going on Twitter and, or chucking a mug of tea up the garden or a, a can of beer. You, know, you, can't, you can't show any, any signs of annoyance bar what you've yeah. got, which is typing with your thumbs. But I think every, every few points valid. We're not here to say it's not valid. It's just... Absolutely. To bring a bit of measure to it, which is what we try and do with uh, BFC Extra. But John, thank you very much for coming on. Um, where Thanks can people find you if, if they if they need you? If they need me, it's it's just there at, at John Townley Eleven on Twitter. Or if you go to a Villa fan, then you can find everyone's work there on the blog that I write for. It's again brilliant stuff that all the uh, guys and girls are writing for. So yeah, check it out. Thank you for listening to AVFC Extra, an additional dose of Aston Villa content for you, brought to you by the Claret and Blue podcast team. If you enjoyed the episode, please do get in touch with us, get involved in the comment sections, tweet us at Claret Blue Pod, or leave us a review on iTunes. We really do appreciate it. We'll catch you again very soon with some more content. Until then, up the villa. Up the villa.